Good evening, Esther. Esther, um, joining from Rotterdam for now, still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, Esther. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Very busy with stuff, but uh, yeah, good. Good to see you. Likewise. Nice one. And uh, we have uh, Robert joining us from your. Uh, did you say you were in Dresden? <laughs> Berlin. Berlin? I forgot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But you just came back from Dresden, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Nice to see you. It's been a while, man. Absolutely. We don't meet. I mean, we meet only here in the World Wide Web. There's no other yeah. chance at the moment. It's the only way, I guess, right now. But um, actually, we did meet in, in real life before. Um, I can remember you had some really weird looking device with you, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> mm, I hope I remember. <laughs> I'll remind you. Uh, I, I know I remember what it looks like. Right. And um, also joining us, uh, Khan Bulak, and you were joining us from where, Khan? Berlin as well. Berlin as well. Okay, so it's Rotterdam versus Berlin edition this, this week. That's nice. <laughs> How are you doing, Khan? All good? All good. Considering? Yeah, nice yeah. one. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, happy to have everybody here. It's a it's a really nice um, uh, group of people. Um, I've been actually I don't really do much research when whenever I do an episode like this. But uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Split Redicts <laughs> is reminding me. Happy three o three day. <laughs> I know. It's three o three, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't do much research. But what what I thought uh, when I was going through things that everybody is doing. I was thinking uh, the really common the common thread between um, uh, the music of uh, Esther, um, Robert, and Khan is, I think, you could say that space is very important. <laughs> that was soon something. It's just something that came came in my mind when, because um, I always say you know um, you know when when you're making sound. Um, it's like uh, the default state is silence, you know, and uh, you basically build up stuff from there. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably how I would describe it. So, what do you think um, when I say that? I mean, Khan, what do you think about that? Is is space important in in what you do? Uh, totally agree. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, Robert taught me how to uh, look at space a bit differently. Especially the last time we played together, where he went around the stage to baptize the whole space. <laughs> That's a different That's kind true. of space. <laughs> Did he take your space, or? No, it's, fu it's funny when I uh, usually when I perform, I, I I'm at the venue uh, long before the concert. I need to understand how the stage is, how the backstage is, how the audience places and uh, with a show uh, with Khan it was at uh, Elisabethkirche in Berlin and I usually I, I go to a little park and I take branches of uh, birch trees they fall down and I take them and they sound awesome and I had this uh, I had this branch of uh, birch uh, branches um, and I was hitting the wall of the church 
like maybe punishing the church, I don't know. But I was like going around, it was a round church and was going around while uh, while Khan was playing and anti-baptizing the church. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, I can feel I an undertone of uh, dislike for, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, but... Uh, but no, I'm, you, I mean, I'm... You have to explain to me branches. I mean, do you actually use branches uh, to create sounds? Is that is that why you, you pick them up before your show? Yeah, I saw uh, I saw an installation of a um, young artist from Norway, and he he not uh, he didn't took branches, but he took like uh, he took um, he took really like thick wood, and he had this machine, and the machine was twisting the wood, so the, it got, it started to crack, and he was feeding the machine with uh, with data from all over the world, so it depended on what data came and was like more crackling. And this installation has such a big impact on me that I, since then I was like really into the sound of dry wood somehow. So I'm often before concerts I go to the next to the park next door uh, and take branches and then I put a contact mic on it. Or sometimes I hit my gear. I I, I killed my Tenori one uh, with like hitting branches uh, on it. So I don't know. It's it's uh, somehow it's a it's because I want to be connected, let's say. I want to be connected with the space, so branches are my tool for that. But let's not talk about so weird things in the beginning. Well, I know. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I'm fascinated. It's a, I must say it's a first on the on these chats. Usually it's a, about knobs and, uh, you know, filters and shit like that. Not always, but that comes up usually. Um, but so, okay, you say you collect them and, and you you contact mic them, and then what? Is is there a process after that? What uh, what happens next with the sounds? It depends. Usually uh, uh, the contact mic goes directly into my sound card, and then I have a plug-in, some, maybe something like Gatekeeper, which, uh, which uh, makes... Okay, first... I, I do crackling with the branches and then I put a reverb after it so the crackling gets a bit stretched and then I put a like an automatic gate on it so it's like and then I put loads of distortion on it and then I put another reverb on it so when I do this like it's like it's like expanding to infinity that is one way I'm, I'm using them yeah and 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 um, I guess Picking them up from uh, the environment of the show makes you feel more connected with uh, with the lo- with the the location or something like that. Or, or you, do you ever, have you ever found branches that you want to take home? <laughs> like uh, uh, yeah, often I uh, I have some uh, <laughs> I have some driftwood from uh, from um, the Pacific coast. I have driftwood from the Atlantic coast. I have bamboo parts from. Uh, Building site from a restaurant in Colombia in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I often have the longing uh, of bringing them home. And I was with my friend Lucas in Tenerife, and we found this like this big palm tree branch. Uh, uh, the locals use it for uh, cleaning the streets, and I fell in love with it. And I played the show with it, and then uh, uh, actually we took it home to Berlin. I will. I, I, w- I was sure that uh, uh, um, that they don't take it at the airport, but they would say, oh, "Okay, no problem. Take your <laughs> take your palm tree, whatever." 
<laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm collecting. I'm not a collector. Sometimes I just throw them away. They have, they have uh, not really. The, the value of them uh, depends on the situation. Mm. It's not. A, it's not a holy. It's not a holy thing. Or it's holy only for that moment. Okay, cool. So you say you've you've uh, performed together. I know you've recorded albums together, uh, Robert and and Khan. Um, so when when you do the show, do you have uh, roles as as uh, musical partners? Is like one person uh, leading the other one, or uh, one person concentrating on one particular uh, layer of the sound and the other one on the other? What is uh, what is the the division between roles between the two of you, Khan? Um, so. I'm trying to remember if it actually evolved naturally or if it was actually set, but I think it was obvious that Robert would do a bit more from the percussive side and I'm playing the piano and adding electronics on top. But um, Robert is also um, changing my piano sound as well. So he has a microphone as well in, in the piano that I'm playing. And The one show that we did at ZKM Karlsruhe, that was uh, with two pianos. So we had one prepared piano in the middle and a Steinway, which was not allowed to be prepared. <laughs> so that was like the pure piano. Whenever you try to grab into it, they start yelling. So <laughs> we had to use two pianos. Um, and the middle piano, we came together and we were able to change the roles a bit there. But apart from that, it was more Robert doing the percussive and the more, I don't know, like more the structural things. And I was doing a bit more of the ornamentation. Mm. Okay, so I, I mean, I've, I've played I a lot say, of... Uh, sorry, go, go, Robert. I, I would say that it was the opposite. Uh, but <laughs> I, Isn't it great when you disagree on the yeah, roles? Yeah, yeah, awesome. actually yeah. he, did the, he did the structural I, stuff and I was like ornamenting around him. I sense some kind of rebellion attitude from Robert uh, now and then. <laughs> um, anyway, but um, yeah, so so is your your show? Um, I, I guess I don't know, but I'm just uh, throwing it in there. Uh, it sounds like you both have um, a palette or like an, uh, a range of instruments, or like you make a choice. What what is your uh, instrument, and and then uh, you basically start without a plan, right? It's like just improvisation, fully improvised. Or do you, have you actually set a key or do you, uh, you know, talk to each other beforehand, like uh, we should build it up like this or is, are there actually written pieces that you rehearsed in advance? What, what is it? Uh, how, how does that work in your collaboration? I mean, the, the plan that we had was we have three parts or four parts and then kind of an idea of what's happening. But there was also modulation. We was we had set a key for the beginning, but then there was a modulation, which was not planned. And I did it, and Robert came along somehow. I have no idea how he managed to do that on his push, but but um, that had worked. So it's part part. It's kind of um, both, right. Or are yeah, you going to disagree again? Yeah, yeah Robert. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, I don't know how I did it because I have no clue about uh, uh, harmonies and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm depending on my ears and like trying to 
tune in and, and, and find out where Khan, Khan is going. I was uh, 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 improvising with Ludovico and Audi, and with him it's much more easy because he has this like ambient, romantic kind of feel, and you kind of can guess what where he's going to. But, but with Khan, he's like he has this strong impressionistic way of playing the piano, and suddenly he changes key and he's all over. And then I have to like do something. So yeah, it's it's, it's super interesting. It super sounds challenging. It's yeah, it's it really I think it's really cool because um, obviously you 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 not only make uh, music in a different way but also also almost speak different languages and then still be able to it's like talking with hands and feet instead of uh, having an actual clear conversation right and it's liberating and for me it's like talking to an adult somehow <laughs> <laughs> like some, somebody who knows the rules I'm like how do we do it and what this is. But uh, do you say it's liberating? So you d you don't think it's it's um, something that is uh, limiting um, the possibilities between the two of you? You you find a you find a way to do it. But uh, explain how it's liberating. Then is that is that because of the lack of rules or the lack of like uh, vocal communication or like uh, common language? Is it is that the is that the freeing thing the, in 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 this combination? Um, maybe because we don't really have bars set or we don't say we do this four times and then we go to the next thing. It's just a thing. It's in the air. And then we agree on a, on another dimension and then we continue to the next part. So right. that's, that's really liberating because that's actually something that I know from composing, but that's one thing that I do in writing the piece, but then it's not possible while you're playing it with musicians who are playing mm -hmm. from the from the score and with robert it's super free it's, anything can happen and if i just want to get up and clap while standing on the piano then that's also okay <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's 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 a good feeling it's like you don't know where you're heading but you still kind of have this understanding of okay this is our universe that we're creating here right now and you kind of agree on what's happening very Sounds cool, really yeah. interesting. It makes me want to be there right now and <laughs> and experience it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, let's 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 return to the the idea of space because uh, I mean, I've uh, I'm I'm quite familiar with your music, Esther, and um, what all, always uh, occurs to me when I listen to your stuff, and it's there's even though it's like a common thing with lots of dance floor music uh, to compress things a lot and to, you know, kind of mesh things together and make sort of wall of sound type stuff, you know, um, some, somehow your, your music has a lot of impact, but it's always so um, spacious in terms of sound, you know, um, is that something you, you are after or is it something that just happens? It just happens. It's okay. just my my probably what I what I prefer to hear when I when I listen to music as well, mm. and um, I I really like it when every detail every sound gets his own role in the in the palette you're creating, and um, the music I, I I listen a lot to is is ambient music and I'm a really big fan of Robert Henke uh, Mono Lake. And he's also he also has his sounds very structured, organized, and uh, I really love that. 
So it's it's not what I'm after, but it's just what I'm doing. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, we had Robert on the show and, and we discussed the, the the kind of sound he produces and I I describe it as like 3D worlds, you know? And mm. that's, that is also true for some of your music. It's like... Uh, oh. Like you say, you know, it's some something is sitting over there, something is sitting over there. It's all coherent, though. You know, it still makes like one a clear picture, but it's um, yeah. For some reason, um, there's all the sounds have room to breathe and um, are kind of on its own and still working together with the other ones. And I think I think that's a beautiful thing in your oh. music. Uh, Thank with, you. With that's Robert, so good to hear. <laughs> with Robert, uh, you can almost walk around. Uh, around the sounds and I was uh, I was listening to your uh, collaboration with uh, Deepish Mode or was it a remix of Deepish Mode I was from uh, yeah actually somebody else that I don't know <laughs> took my took my uh, my track and combined it with Depeche Mode and okay, made his okay. version so I didn't, didn't have anything to do with that <laughs> okay no but I, I uh, uh, what came through even though it was a, a kind of uh, or is a kind of buster trick that there is this uh, feeling of, of space and there's this feeling of like really like beautifully carved uh, uh, sound design. I was like, I was impressed. Ah, thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I've never had any lessons in music or whatever. I just started and and you know made my made made things that I uh, lo love to hear. And um, so, how do you yeah. do it? Then? How do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> I just sit down and I experiment and I and I collect stuff and then take it from there. And um, you know, I'm working on a music conservatory and my students, they're electronic music stud students and pop students, and they really get a proper um, theory about music, about scales, about you know everything, chords. And um, I, sometimes I envy them because it makes it makes life easy for them. They can compose pretty fast, and if somebody wants something from them, they are able to do that. And um, that's something I, I that I couldn't couldn't do right now because I don't have the tools. I just really it, it takes a lot of time and effort to to finish something for me because I really have to experiment and pluck things from here and there to to get it together. So it's a long process. But do you have a, like a workflow or do you have like a, a studio set where you have your favorite drum machines and synthesizers and you can, uh, yeah. you know that you can rely on them or is yeah. it always new? No, uh, it's uh, um, I, I'm a software girl. I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of an alien in, in this group, I suppose. No, um, no you're all. a plug-in. No? Okay, good. I'm afraid I'm a plug-in guy, too. Okay. <laughs> I really love sounds, you know, uh, to explore sounds in, in synthesizers, in soft synths. So I, I like Spectrosonic, and I really like the native instrument stuff, especially with uh, complete uh, control. When it seems like I, I have the possibility to have so many synthesizers in one small MIDI controller... So I just just go explore, and then I get hit by a sound, and I take it from there, and it can go anywhere. Uh, and at the same time, if I have a direction, I really want to go in that flow, and I don't, you know, I don't want to make too many side steps because I also like to finish stuff. So uh, sometimes when I when I uh, am, am drifting away a little bit, I just save no. save a different version, and I'll mm. look at it later. But uh, sorry, uh, one more question. 
Uh, and how do you work with uh, drums, with kick drums, and how do you keep them like? Yeah, that's a good in, question. <laughs> in, inside the sound, because for me this is always like I'm still like in this journey of finding finding my way. Yeah, me too. I mean, my my weakest side, uh, that's what people, you know, who who gave me feedback is always the, the drum patterns. And um, I I have the tendency to make it pretty, pretty straightforward, <laughs> not much going on. But um, sound wise, I just collect what I think is really, really good. So it can be a sample. Actually, it's always a sample, <laughs> but I don't sculpt it too much. I don't uh, use too many compressors or uh, EQ. I just select properly. So the basic is already there, sound-wise. And then I I really like to use a lot of, um, how do you say, randomizers. Randomizers are like heaven to me because it gives me the possibility to be creative with beats in a way that I wouldn't think of myself. I'm not a drummer. I really like the 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 atmosphere of the, of the music most of the time. So my the strongest thing is to to make, um, you know, pads and... Uh, silly voices or experimental stuff that's what i really love doing and uh, and the beats is kind of uh bizak it's kind of uh, less relevant for me mm -hmm. so the randomizers help me to to keep it interesting yeah 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 i mean randomizers are cool i mean the there there are people that are uh of the opinion that uh if you leave too much up to uh, the computer or something that should sort of generate stuff for you that you are no longer no longer the composer but i tend to disagree because you are always the person who says you know who sets the 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 limit you know and and decides mm -hmm. sort of curates the the whole thing and sets sets the decides about what is the end result you know how how should it actually sound so it's more like a, a little helper rather than cheating <laughs> i yeah. think yeah. I actually really, really don't care that much if people think that way. Because no, no, no. But I yeah, but really, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, it's, there it's is no cheating product, in art. You know, it's kind, it's kind of what you deliver and the, the end results. And if that's satisfying, then it's, I mean, then it's okay. I think. True. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you use um, sound found sounds? Do you? You said you you you. Uh, use a lot of samples, but do you also go out and record stuff and and then sort of work it into your uh, productions? No, 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 not really. No, I always, <laughs> I always say this to myself that I should do that, and I really have I have a good recorder, but I I don't have the time, okay. and uh, sometimes I'm just lazy. Then I'm I've, I've you know my track has started off, and then uh, I don't take the time anymore to do that. Right. But you you do Robert right because I I can hear in your music or I think I can hear in your music I mean talking about your music dude uh, I've no idea <laughs> where those sounds are coming from and you know it's I always like music where I have no clue what the, what the hell is going on you know and your music is a really good example of that um, you know some music I can guess oh, okay so this is a processed drum machine or this is you know, uh, some granular synthesis going on, or I can kind of guess what what the, what the process was behind it. You know, but in your music, I really have no fucking idea what what you you know did to to achieve the results. You know, so in my ears, it sounds like you do sometimes use um, found sounds. You know, like uh, field recordings or something like that. Or am I wrong? <laughs> no. Uh 
I'm not. I'm not a field recorder. I'm not uh, like uh, uh, because this is like a special way of 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 seeing the world and listening to the world. Uh, I, I record sounds, uh, sometimes environmental, but more like objects. For example, I, uh, at my last record, um, I was at this uh, festival, um, and in the hotel room there was this bright red metal chair. It was made from one piece of metal, and it was like I was banging on it, and it sounded like beautiful. And luckily, I had my contact mic uh, with me, so I plucked, uh, I glued with gaffer tape uh, my contact mic on the chair, and it was banging, uh, banging on it, and I took. It uh, as it was on. I I uh, I made a little uh, uh, reverb on it, a little grain reverb. But I took it as it is on my uh, on my on my record. I like to grab things, but I, I I'm thinking more of objects. I'm not so much like an inventum, uh, eventual. How to say environmental uh, field recorder and like taking a beautiful sound and putting it uh, into my music. Uh, I leave that to other people. Um, like, for example, Khan, uh, I asked for, also for my last record, I think I asked uh, on Facebook, um, I love to ask questions, and I, uh, I asked for uh, thunderstorms, and people like, sent me thunderstorms, so I made, uh, I made a mix of uh, all the different thunderstorms and put it, uh, put it at the end, of the very end of my record. That's a field recording, but it doesn't. It didn't came from. <laughs> you just outsourced it. Nice one. <laughs> That's a cool what about idea. you, Jochen? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Re I do use uh, uh, recorded sounds. Yes, um, uh, sometimes as samples. But um, what I've also been doing lately is just uh, play stuff that is going on in the studio, maybe one channel or one group or something. Mm -hmm. And send it out uh, on the speakers, or put some speaker in uh, in the room next door, and then and just mic it, just to get like um, some ambience around it, you know. And um, I, it, even if the recording is really poor, like if it's a phone recording, you know, recording whatever's going on uh, on the speakers from a distance. Um, it does really make a difference if you just layer it underneath the, the thing that is the original source, you know, just to create like, um, yeah, a bit of context or, or uh, space around it or give it like its own sort of identity or, or uh, sonic um, signature, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's some, something I, I experiment with sometimes. Um, in Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I've, I've once made a, a setup where... Um, you know, there was a speaker in one room and that got mic'd and it was playing in another room. And, you know, so you got this like sort of feedback thing going on. And then the source was, was only a drum machine, but the end result was like, a, you know, uh, uh, yeah, like really interesting sort of feedbacking ambience, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it, I just like to, I mean, I've got the space for it. So I just like to fool around with that kind of um tricks sometimes just to see what happens you know there's there's no um no real plan behind it it's just i always ask myself the question what would happen if dot 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 you know and that's <laughs> that's how i use that's that's basically the start of all my my projects you know uh i mean i've, I've explained it several times but the the studio has doesn't have a fixed setup there's just a table behind me and for every session 
I grab uh, some tools and connect them in an interesting way, um, usually without mics, but sometimes, uh, you know, recorded sound uh, becomes part of it afterwards. Um, but I just uh, chain things together and see what happens. Um, like, yeah, like you said, Esther, you know, just uh, explore things, just to uh, find something, uh, find a starting point. And usually my starting point is like the system, you know, for a chain of stuff. And then, I really explore the range of the of the system as much as I can, and uh, yeah, when I think I've basically exhausted it, that's that was the basically the end of the session, <laughs> and then I take the the nicest bits out of it and and incorporate them in something else, or I use them as is. It just depends on uh, on what it has become. Basically, I see a question from Jonathan Toral. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? <laughs> uh, question for all of us: Is there some non-musical item you find out relevant to create or manipulate sound uh non-musical item i guess robert talked about wood anybody else using um uh, uh, unconventional things to generate well, sounds not 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 using but uh i i really like the sound of metal in big big holes <laughs> like the industrial sounds they're very interesting and also, um, but I really regret that I didn't record it at the time. I, I once was in a, um, in a cave be, below a hill in Italy and there was this absolute silence and darkness and there was the sound of the dripping of the drops from the ceiling and it was so beautiful. Mm. And I, I, uh, yeah, I, I still remember it, but I wasn't able to record it. And if I would have recorded it, I would definitely have used it in my music. Yeah. Yeah, that's a proper. That would have been a proper field recording, uh, Esther. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Yeah, and Khan. I've just gotten into field recording. I used to have a mediocre recorder as I was um, studying, and uh, so I was recording a lot of stuff. But for some reason, um, maybe because of my inexperience back then, um, the recordings are not really usable. Mm. But um, but they're a good inspiration. So now I know what to look for. And um, now I've gotten myself the also this Geophone by Lom. And um, I've started trying out. And um, let's see. You can... Geophone is this microphone. It's kind of like a contact microphone, but it's not, I guess. I'm not going to say... I don't want to say something wrong. But it also has like this... Uh, this thing at the end, you can stick it into the um, into the earth, and then mm -hmm. just listen to the earth with that. Or um, it also has a suction cup. You can attach it to glass or any kind of also metal. So, so it picks up vibrations for uh, environmental yeah. vibrations rather than exactly. just sound waves. Wow. Yeah, awesome. Have you ever tried hydrophones? Ah, uh, no, no. It's, they let you record on the water. They're they're really interesting too. I mean, I've, I've. This is something on my list, man. I mean, now you're talking about this. I would love to get get into um, recording with hydrophones and, uh, uh, you know, is it geophone? What you say? Is it you said? Yeah, yeah this yeah, new geophone. to me, but it, it sounds really interesting too. Um, oh, and Ura Music is asking on a recorder thing. Recorders to buy. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this that helps. <laughs> that would be your your advice well i mean yeah. what what i do uh i mean i don't have huge experience with with recorders but um 
what I do know that is that the better your recorder is, the better your mics are, the more they pick up. So you have to make sure the you know, if, if you just want to record casual sounds, um, you know, like you drumming on some object or whatever, um, you can probably get away with a, um, a less sensitive recorder. Uh, but if you want to have a really detailed, um, very uh, quiet sound, you, have, you basically need a more expensive recorder or you know more sensitive mics but it also means that you know the more sensitive they are the more they pick up so if you if you have a really good recorder it's really really hard to get a clean recording because every little thing you know hums in the background um you know things that you don't even are aware of that are going on around you will be picked up and end up in the recording so um yeah to answer Aura's question depends on what you want to record <laughs> but it's, I, would, uh, I would suggest that um getting a software like spectral layers that's what i'm using to clean up the recordings because uh, i don't know I, in my experience i've never been able to make a recording that i would just use like that mm -hmm. i always start changing stuff especially this spectral um view that's really helpful and it's it's it makes it quite easy to even get usable things from a um, from a phone by now yeah. but I've so just that's a software that filters away some frequencies or what does it do exactly it looks it looks like Photoshop and uh, you can actually paint away the things mm -hmm. that you don't want so it's oh. kind of like RX the isotope RX mm -hmm. software but um, it's the one from Steinberg okay but I think it's uh, it's important to like get the best recorder with the most beautiful microphones because when you I have a Tascam uh, mobile recorder and it has also some input for external mics with uh, phantom power. But when you hear field recordings from people who really are into it and using uh, external mics, shops or whatever, and uh, to like a field recording from like a Tascam or Zoom thing, that uh, it's a, it's a completely different world. You have like yeah. a you have a river, a small river somewhere with a Tascam. It sounds like a some uh, sounds like a small river somewhere, but with a uh, with a good recorder, a good microphone, it's like it's like opening up. It's like a symphony or something. So mm -hmm. I would really try to care about the microphones and. Uh, uh, Maybe the algorithm, the the sounds get transformed too, but it's like it's uh, just so it's such a difference. It's a deep subject. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really deep subject. Yeah, I mean, of course, you can clean things up, you know, but um, um, if you want to capture actual sounds the way they are, uh, of course, you need really high resolution um, equipment, you know, more expensive stuff. Um, yeah, it just depends on what you want to do, I guess, you know. Um, I mean, you can you can get amazing stuff going with uh, simple iPhone recordings. You know, it just depends on what you want to use it for. Yeah. I did record the snore of my husband, but I didn't <laughs> like me using it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can sneakily uh, squeeze it in in, in, there, in somewhere. <laughs> oh, I've actually made a track out of my my son's snoring. As he was yeah, a, you did. Like, yeah, What's like going one on? year old. It's called Sleeping Dante. It's going to be on my <laughs> next album. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's better than uh, putting pictures of your kids on Instagram. It's better to uh, uh, to kind <laughs> to put them into your in, into your tracks. <laughs> <laughs> a good drone, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes a good drone sounds. <laughs> Are those yeah, hand recorders for Zoom any good? Did you say you had one? Yeah, I have the Zoom uh, HN4 or H4N, something like that. <laughs> It's already a couple of years old, but um, it, it was pretty good a few years ago. But I, I can imagine that there are a lot of newer models that are even better. But uh, I have a good experience with, with uh, Zoom. Yeah, I got the Sony, I don't know, something 1000. I don't know which which brand or which number it actually is, but I'm quite happy with it. You know, it's um, it's it's a proper middle of the road recorder you know it's cool cool thing about it is it's bronze on batteries you can take it anywhere it's small you know so it's convenient um and you can get some pretty good sounds from it so it's uh, it's okay yeah the uh, zoom that I, I was using is also very nice to record your sets when you're when you're playing or djing live and uh you can also it has multi-channel so you can record the the sound of the crowd and it's always like not nice to blend that in together after you recorded it yeah yeah you can that's that mine does that too so you have like a, a direct uh input from from a desk or something and and uh yeah. an ambient input and, and there's recorded in f four tracks or basically two stereo tracks that's pretty cool yeah yeah okay so um the other thing yeah i mentioned in the beginning robert you have to really explain uh to me what that instrument was i think you because we we played together in uh, like a few years back when uh, Superbooth was on and and there was this um, sort of modular massive modular or you know improvisation thing that boiler room organized around uh, around oh. the event and you were part of it and you you uh, came in with this massive sort of silver looking device and i think you explained that it was originally designed to uh, make sounds for uh, measuring people's ears or hearing do you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Oh. <laughs> it's called how, the hell, how the hell did you find out you could make sounds with it? Uh, uh, I mean, as, as, uh, as all, uh, every electronic musician, I'm searching the web for interesting stuff, and I, I saw this uh, uh, thing which looked like an EMS uh, synthesizer, so I was, like, exploring it, and it's called uh, Hearing Science Laboratory, and it's made uh, uh, to uh, understand how uh, hearing works and how the how the brain uh, uh, processes uh, uh, oral information. So it's uh, maybe my camera. Let's do an experiment. So there it is. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. So it's uh, it looks like a, a modular synthesizer, but it's uh, it's. It's just some. It creates sine waves, and uh, it creates some kind of uh, uh, sequences. But the sequences are uh, only on uh, on volume, not not on melodies. You can't you can't play it. Uh, you can just uh, um, you can just uh, do some listening experiments with it, and uh, because. You said we could be honest on the on the show tonight. I bought it because it looks cool, <laughs> and, and wherever I take it, uh, people say, "Oh wow, what's that?" Yeah. Um, 
But then, then I, uh, 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 then I found out that actually it is, uh, it's a, a beautiful source of sampling. It, uh, uh, it has two sine wave generators, uh, a, a white noise generator, um, and uh, some filters. And the filters are super weird. They're high pass and low pass, but uh, the the resonances are uh, in a, in a odd. They do odd things. So. Uh, uh, apart from posing with it, uh, I'm I'm using it uh, as a uh, as a source for um, uh, for for my sounds, and I, I I use a lot of sine waves, and I use a lot of cut up sine waves, and this thing became now the main source uh, for it because it's 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 a bit dirty, it's a bit unpredictable, but uh, I sample now directly into um, Boolean Tracker, for example, and it's just nice and weird, and I transpose it and, and stuff. But it, it, it can't do much. You can't play it. It's, it has no keyboard, nothing. It makes just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. I mean, I, I've got a, an EMS Sinti, and uh, you can't play it either. I mean, you, there, there's a way to sequence it, but, I mean, the range of sounds is, is just incredible. And it's it kind of ma- makes you... Um, uh, look at uh, uh, you know, or makes you uh, uh, act in a different way because um, you know if it's not traditionally uh, laid out as a you know a traditional synth or whatever, um, you can still be totally creative with it. You know, and even I would say the limitation is even uh, creating new ways of uh, trying to get sound out of it. You know, so it's. Um, it's not a problem if an instrument is not designed to make uh, sounds with, you know. Um, anyway, but I, I still don't quite understand what was it designed for. It was designed to make sound, right? Not to. It's not a measuring device or anything. I want to have the book with me. No. Oh. no, it's it's made for uh, it's made for doctors to understand where a tinnitus is and what range a tinnitus is. For example, that would be like a more easy, uh, uh, easy experiment. I have this book, and there are like forty experiments in listening, like okay. understanding t- tonal uh, 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 differences and stuff. So it's ma- it's made for lab- uh, for health labs to understand how uh, hearing works, basically. Yako, Yako, what's up, Yako, Yako, Yako? Um, oh, she was there that, that night, and you had some really. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe you had the book with you at that night when you when when you were and you you were reading patches from the book and try to recreate them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Who yeah, does that on Boiler Room? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that, no, because, yeah, but I had like uh, uh, I had like two superstars next to me who like had all the gear and I had to do something, you know, because yeah. they they knew exactly what they were doing and I was like, at least I had. Something shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly looked good, Robert. <laughs> um, so okay, so it's I I guess it's just because um, uh, I I got a tinnitus myself. I had it. I've had it for I don't know twenty five years. It's not bothering me or anything, but I I do have it. Um, maybe it was designed to find the frequency where the, the tinnitus is happening or something. Maybe. Yeah, I have a, I have a tinnitus too, and uh, it's made for that, but. Uh, um, 
Yeah, so we we uh, we both like always listening to sound. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got a sine wave generator in my ear, man. <laughs> <laughs> How cool But is that? Yeah, But yeah. is it something you are, are aware of when you're producing with your tinnitus? No. Is it is it no. does it uh, does it take space in your in, in the process produced no. with your productions? No, not at all. No, no, no I can only hear it when I'm uh, in a quiet room, and okay. now I don't hear it. Uh, if I really focus, I can I can kind of uh, scan for it and, and discover it. You know, it's not very loud. It's there. I know it's there, but it's uh, no, it's not bothering me, and. Oh, um, wow. I'm sure my hearing is damaged, you know, but um, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't suffer from it or anything. I, I can still hear everything I want to hear. And, and it's a funny thing how, how hearing works anyway. It's like part uh, actual, uh, actual sound waves coming into your, your ears, like the mechanical part of it. And, and the rest, most of it is actually playing out in the brain, you know, mm -hmm. you're sort of recombining things or, uh, you know, uh, Reacting to sound is way more a matter of imagination and and uh, you know how how you respond to things than just the actual waveforms detecting waveforms. You know, I don't know. It's um, anyway. So in in my case, I I uh, I'm cap totally capable of hearing everything um, that I need to hear. So uh, Do you I'm not bothered by your it. tracks to your tinnitus. Um, I, I'm not aware of it, so maybe maybe, maybe I do. But um, oh, you mean harmonized? I don't know. It's um, I do I do uh, I do notice that I have a preference for uh, for sounds that don't uh, that are not uh, painful. You know, I don't like screechy sounds as much as I used to, but uh, I still I still I'm use the, them. I'm the opposite. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I, my my tinnitus uh, grows with my music because I love distortion. <laughs> I love like uh, face distortion. I, I love uh, from Audiologic this face distortion unit, and I I put like two in a chain. So and then I listen loud on headphones, and when I take off my headphones, my tinnitus is even like it's like 12 dB louder. Oh but, man! <laughs> but I I, I I I I I need to. Uh, I, I I love distortion. I can't. I, my tinnitus has to live with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But you, can, you, can somebody you? was. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Jochen. Somebody was asking a question. Yeah, oh, asking a question about if you know what frequency your uh, tinnitus is. Uh, Mine no. is multiple. It's like yeah, it yeah. Goes from uh, 16 kilohertz to low. Sometimes it's pulsing. Now I have a new thing that's totally just mechanical. So when uh, when I move my ear, it's like some ringing. It's like, don't get a tinnitus. Yeah, I mean, I, when when I first got it, I got a, a bit paranoid for a while, you know, and read a lot about it. And uh, there are actually very extreme forms of tinnitus when people not, you know, where it's just not a sine wave or some some bleep, but actual rattling sounds and uh you know people describe hearing tubes and shit like that you know it's it's terrible but um i you know i've it's never changed you know it's there and it's it's there and it doesn't really bother me uh and i'm care I, i've been more careful with my hearing though since then you know i didn't want to uh, push it too far <laughs> i heard um, i heard voices once i was like uh, working for this dance company in england and what like days and days and days on headphones And 
shortly before the premiere, I was like in my hotel room and I took my headphones off. And then this uh, like, uh, like, like a funny opera started, like with choir, super complicated uh, um, compositions. Like, I was sitting on my bed and was like, what's going on? And then there were like old men, like talking to each other, like in a grumpy way. And I heard this like without headphones, like, and I was like, okay, Robert, this is it. Uh, I was like, I was so in stress with this uh, production that my, it was far beyond tinnitus. My brain created some, uh, some uh, really like talking and music. It happened only once. Got, got that. It's it's okay, people. Um, you know, I know some very nice people who hear voices, Robert. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the, it, yeah, it's it, it is something I read about that that actually uh, you can you can, people can hear music, and it, it there's a difference between imagining it and actually uh, uh, being caused by hearing damage. So what you what you heard is something mm -hmm. that does it that does exist. You know, it's a form of tinnitus, but it's <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, um, it's funny how it works. Yeah, I also recognize, you know, the the sound hallucinations when uh, when I play a long set and I come home and I hear the, you know, the in in the shower, the, the in the bathroom, the um, circulation of the air. I would hear music in that, and yeah. I would hear music in everything, and it's really you you can't switch it off. So it's very tiring. I I think. It's funny. I mean, this is, it's a really interesting area, actually, what we're talking about now, because, um, again, it's like, uh, there's a gray area between imagination and, and, uh, actual detecting sound, you know, like what you said, Esther, is something that happened to me very, very often. You know, you, uh, I've actually, uh, tried several way, t several times in the past, you know, if, if I get that, you know, after a, and playing and playing out on an on a night in a club and you get that into that state where you can sort of still hear like repetitive uh, mm -hmm. things and they're not really in your ears they're in your brain yeah. but still they're hard to get rid of you know what i mean it's like yeah it's still you can sort switch of, it off <laughs> yeah it's like echoing it's like echoing all the time and to be honest yeah. some some um some of the things you can your brain is kind of imagining or is is generating in in those moments are things that you would actually like to record or to uh <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. the best the best club tracks ever are the tracks that sound like the the sort of repetitive zoom in your head after clubbing <laughs> you know like the echo of the of of the night you know what i mean we need I love need that. Brain, brain recorder <laughs> but that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you say that because i was uh thinking uh, uh before what we should talk about and uh, what I what I find interesting, um, basic channel this this label from Berlin uh, and there's this um, chain reaction this project yeah. and I saw them a few times uh, playing live and the sound was so dense and so big and so immersive uh, but so un not unprecise but uh, so it has so many different layers that uh, you as an audience or as a dancer could hear your own melodies inside yeah. because it was so loud that your inner ear was vibrating and uh, that just you, you heard something which was in the music maybe or not, or it was like triggering something in yourself. And I, I, I find that, uh, uh, I, I mean, that's why I go to, uh, to, cl uh, to clubs, for example, to like 
experience that I, I saw Lomo, uh, uh, Vladislav Dulay at Bergheim. This was like super mind blowing. The loudest mm -hmm. show ever. I was like in the back of Bergheim and still like doing this because it was so loud. But it was like there was so much going on. Yeah, I, I guess the visual, if people don't understand what the hell we are talking about, the visual uh, uh, equivalent would be if you watch uh, an old television with uh, static and if you watch long enough you can start making out mm -hmm. uh, actual shapes and your brain looks for patterns and and uh, you know you it so sort of starts recognizing things even though if they're not there you know and sometimes that works with sound in a similar way um, if there's so much information and it's not really clearly defined like like the uh, chain reaction stuff you're mentioning but there are m many other musical examples where where that happens as well like I don't know, like even guitar bands like Sonic Youth or something. There's so much density in the sound that, uh, yeah, if you listen long enough, you start to, uh, or your brain starts to recognize things that might not be there or that are suggested to you. It's a really interesting uh, thing. <laughs> At least you've <laughs> never been alone. <laughs> but uh, the, the interesting thing is the same happens when the brain gets... Uh, too little information so people who are in the cave for a long time in the dark the brain starts to create images and to create mm -hmm. sound because the brain is bored somehow of the situation because it doesn't get any input so it starts to uh, project things mm -hmm. and it's interesting that it's like in the uh, like in the reduction but also in the overload it's kind of the same uh, mm. phenomenon yeah wow Yako. Ah. Oh, checking us out. Yeah, she's suggesting uh, experiments by uh, Diana Deutsch. Thanks, Yako. We'll check it out. And Simon Halsberger uh, is having. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. I'll write it down later. Write, yeah, Thank no, you. I write yeah. this down now because I have a pencil. Oh, okay. You are well prepared, Robert. No, my brain and my memory is so short, so I have to write. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, talking about, about uh, again, sorry, but, uh, uh, I just want to mention one more thing about uh, Robert, because um, your approach seems to be very uh, like your... Um, basically you yeah you you sound like some a person who is exploring a lot and and kind of letting things happen but at the same time when I, your music is very structured you know like very uh in i mean you know it's like the most well uh maintained uh, uh neat uh, uh room you know with everything has its own place everything has is has its very clearly defined uh, function very it's almost it's systematic but at at the same time very um um uh, imaginative i i was just wondering are you are you would you say would you say you are an organized person or <laughs> because it sounds like you have this really uh this preference for very organized sounds somehow. No, I'm super, I'm super messy. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I'm asking that. <laughs> I'm a messy control freak, maybe. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's maybe, uh, um, 
like in the mid 90s where where you had uh, uh, Wolfgang Vogt all this cologne uh, minimal mm. not minimal but very repetitive very uh, uh, reduced techno um, and you had Pansonic this band this had a, a big impact I was like uh, a friend of mine uh, played Pansonic to me and it sounded like this is my uh, this uh, is what my synthesizer does when I'm not there. You know, it's like that's what my synthesizer does anyway without touching me. It was like like a sine wave modulating. So I at first I was like, oh, that's no music. But then that then it had a really big uh, impact on me. And I'm I'm uh, I'm always searching. Uh, I'm always searching for this purity of sound, even though it's like. Um, uh, even though I have like three layers of uh, of face distortion uh, and uh, doing all these kinds of things, but I'm, I'm always in, in in the back of my head. I ha I have this purity, um, which I never really reach uh, uh, because then then there's uh, a super trigger or another uh, effect plug-in which I love and I fall in love with plugins like like this like so i'm like oh wow this sounds good i have to do it um but i'm uh, i'm um, i'm always i have this like this vision of sound and uh, there's this producer connie plank yeah and he produced uh Eurythmics and uh loads of uh, uh, bands uh, he said no to you too uh, uh for example and uh, he, he produced duff deutsch amerikanische freundschaft and uh, these bass lines are still. I'm still in search for these bass lines, and I uh, I found one person on, on Facebook uh, the other day, and he knew what synthesizers they used, and uh, now I know it's an ARP uh, Odyssey what they used. But it's like I'm like, when you want to reduce my music, it's it's about the bass line, and the other stuff is like. It's like flies or insects or butterflies around it. It might not sound like that, but the bass line is always like, uh, it's, uh, which is always triggering me. I heard many, I heard other people saying the same, a similar thing about their music. You know, there are, uh, and it's an another thing that is, I, I, I'm afraid we're going to talk about another gray area. It's like um, you have these examples from, from things that inspired you. And you are chasing something that it's that is uh, that reminds you of the things that that inspired you, but you never really get there. But uh, the question would be, um, um, uh, how do I phrase this? Um, yeah, you 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 are always trying to to chase this, but are the things that you initially heard really? that impressive or are they made more impressive in your memory in your mind or your recollection of it you know what i mean um you know what i mean i you know what i'm talking about because i i for example i'll give you an example for myself you know i i heard so many music so many things in my life that i never found out what it was you know just heard it once somebody played it or i heard it through some people's window and then it triggered something in my mind and uh, left such an impression that I that I always can sort of recall the experience, um, but you know because I can't check what it was and I, I really can't go back to uh, to 
kind of re-listen to it in in a different context or really carefully find out about what it what it was that it triggered me it sort of starts to lead its own life in my imagination you know what i mean and if i chase that if i want to chase to kind of do uh, replicate that or do something with that you know at the idea or the aesthetic or whatever then it is basically only you could say it's it's just a uh, a vague memory or a starting point and not really the real thing you know what i mean so it's my question to you is are you really aware of 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 uh that thing or are, do you do you have have you figured it out completely or is it more the 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 memory or the 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 thing your brain made out of it that is something that is that's maybe a question to khan because i know he's super focused on on his stuff um, I was thinking about exactly the opposite because um, because there are also some, for example, conductors who say you shouldn't record the concert because a microphone is never capable of achieving what we had in the concert and, mm. and recording it the way it should be. So it's a momentary thing and then it's gone. So... Um, I still do believe that you can have certain recordings that are um, coming close or that are their own thing. But um, to me, it's all about the moment. It's like it's there. And then I don't even want to, I don't want to remember. And I can't even remember, for example, the last concert that I played with my ensemble, I improvised something in my, um, in my piano quintet. There is a part where I always improvise. I have no idea what I did. And I'd, I don't even want to know, because if I know, I might, next time when we're playing it, I might think about it. And thinking is the worst thing you can do on stage. Mm. So forget it. Just let it go. Just leave it behind and then and then see what's in front of you and then do the best out of it. That's, that's why I was kind of confused while listening to your question. It's like, why would you want to remember it? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, what, what I'm... Um... I'm just talking about an experience, right? So you mm -hmm. you hear something at some point in your life, and and you don't you don't actually knew what you what you heard, and but it did make an impression enough to uh, to always have it in your sort of uh, uh, collection of of uh, uh, memories, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I'm I'm just saying that these memories can take on a life of its own and have eventually very little to do with with the original work or the original thing or the idea that that sort of uh, mm -hmm. uh was that uh, that caused that impression but um i think it's interesting to uh um yeah just to to use those things as as uh, things to chase you know because mm -hmm. you know it's it's like um yeah but you know, Robert mentioned very concrete examples of things that that kind of blew his mind and and you know make him chase certain things or mm -hmm. uh, reach a certain result and is always trying to make uh, if I'm if I understood you right, always trying to make something that resembles that you know and and and, and you always fail. <laughs> you know? No, I'm always better. <laughs> I'm always ten percent higher than my idols. <laughs> but uh, Jochem, that that doesn't mean uh, necessarily a technical aspect of music. It can also be a sound or or just an no, image that you have no, and you listen to it. Or yeah, concept. yeah, it's not, I'm I'm really talking about the the gray area. You know, like the, the yeah. imaginative part. You know, not the yeah, yeah. Uh, actual sounds or uh, yeah. 
I don't know. It's 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 just we're now now we've been talking about uh, uh, you know tinnitus and how the brain can fill in gaps and can generate things that are not there and stuff. You know, I was I was just expanding on that by uh, going going <laughs> yeah. there. You know, but uh, anyway, can uh, do that actually. Oh, sorry. Hmm? No, no. I think I think um, it, it sounds like a bit. Um, you're listening with your whole body and your whole soul and everything. And since all of that is listening, it's kind of adding something from you into it. And um, so it's not going to be an objective thing that you're remembering. Yeah, you mean in my Maybe. case? Yeah, from yeah. Yeah, what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I approach music. I mean, you you, you are um, an instrumentalist and, and you have a direct uh, interface with your instrument, right? So your mm -hmm. brain is basically almost connected to, to your instrument, to your piano. Or whatever but i have to i'm i'm you know my route to the result takes a lot longer because i have to do a lot of sculpting and a lot of mm -hmm. modifying and a lot of uh you know um yeah sculpting i would say is the best word before i reach the aesthetic or the 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 thing that makes me say okay now i'm getting to something that that is clicking with me you know Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's a longer, it's a longer process. There's more distance between the idea and the imagination mm -hmm. and, um, and, the the actual end result. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't get, you, you, of course you don't get it when you're performing live. I do a lot of live improvisation mm -hmm. things as well, but, and it's more direct, but I would say the aesthetic there is, is less important and it's more about, uh, flowing and about mm -hmm. being in the moment. Uh, and, but if I'm, record if if i'm preparing something to record i'm paying way more attention to you know the spectrum of the sounds you know how things relate to each other the space around the sounds you know all that stuff and that just takes that just matter of fact is it that's just a reality it takes time to get there you know mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a longer process and then and then in, in that case uh uh my i'm i i'm led by an aesthetic that is a vague imaginary thing you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah and, and can you let go of that imagination that you had in the beginning also esther also you like how is that uh, yeah i i find it's pretty uh, deep stuff to talk about um because what you would you exp uh, explain uh Jochem, i i don't really experience it like like that um Sometimes with me, it's it's in my in my subconscious. So I would produce something and uh, make make a melody or 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 a song, and then to realize that I just replicated some really cool track that I that I heard two years ago, or in, in some, <laughs> you know, it's a production from some somebody else that I used to play, <laughs> so I can throw it away. So that's that's the different <laughs> different side of what you are explaining, uh, Jochem. Yeah, I think I think I'm probably more talking about the aesthetic of the sound design. You know, the sound. The I'm I I wouldn't consider myself a musician even. You know, I think my what I do is has more to do with uh, sound than with music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Is an instrument you would say like this is my home. This is like when I switch a button or turn a knob. This is like this is me. This is like no, no. no. No, I see every instrument as tools. You know, they're just uh, they're just there to uh, to shape 
to help shape the sound. Um, um, of course, I have my favorites, you know, st stuff that I can get results with easier than others. But um, yeah, I, I if if my studio would burn down and I have to start over again, I would still be as productive, you know, with the stuff, the new stuff that I would get. So I don't really care what. Uh, or not I, I do care but I it wouldn't matter you know I could I could have you can hand me any you know synth or sound device and I can explore it and do something interesting with it you know uh, that sounds super healthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know I don't know <laughs> yeah I don't know it's uh, I, uh, yeah healthy why do you think that <laughs> well, people are very attached to certain tools and uh it's it's great to transcend those instruments and just seeing them as tools for the greater essence essential thing which mm. is yeah, music so you and don't sound depend, itself you don't depend on it you you can make music yeah. with anything you run into basically i like to yeah. think so <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I would, I would, I'd be, I would be, um, you know, uh, gutted if if some of the the, the stuff that I collected uh, disappears. But I, I, I'm just saying that it, you know. So I do have a relationship with some instruments, like, uh, and it, it's just uh, because I've used them for years and I know them, and some memories got attached to it, and blah blah blah. You know that that part of it is uh, would, would, you know, uh, yeah. That's that makes me uh has have an attachment to them but uh in terms of uh doing something interesting i wouldn't i yeah i wouldn't but need specific synth. maybe in terms of workflow because we were talking about the ems before and that it brings you to different results maybe there's something oh, okay uh not really because i like i said you know i i built and you know half of the fun of the way I, I've been making music for the last years is just to have like a little bit of pre-fun by uh, thinking thinking out a system or um, and I, I call it a system but it can be something very simple you know if let's say uh, yeah what would happen if I connect this to that and then you know that is this is like I can already have fun in my head uh, <laughs> thinking about it without ev even you know try it first you know and um and it's that's basically just a starting point and then uh i explore whatever is possible with it and then uh i arrive at some sort of sweet spot uh, at some point what when i think okay now this this is becoming interesting and then that's what i'll use mm -hmm. but for for example I, I i mean i've told you in the past that i'm really i i adore your your album uh, uh, g spots uh, was was there a certain certain synthesizer that you used to create that album? Uh, it's really basic stuff, you know, like uh, I don't know what what uh, I know there was a Juno 106 there, um, System 100, um, pretty standard drum machine sampler samplers, you know. Um, so nothing that really stands out uh, that you would still use anymore. Uh, yeah, I still I, I I've. I've sold some gear, but usually most of the stuff that I had back then, I still do have. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I've, I've never, cause I found out, you know, when, when I move places or, uh, when I've, I think I've exhausted a piece of gear or, you know, at some point you think, okay, now I'm, I'm ready for something else and I'll use something else. But if you go back to, to an instrument years after you've used it last, uh, and also maybe even use it in a different space, it takes on a whole new life, you know? Mm -hmm. 
uh, it becomes a new instrument because the you know the maybe the even the things like the position where it is in the room for for some reason makes a difference to me i don't know why mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like how prominent is it in a setup you know or uh, mm-hmm. how uh, how does it relate to the speaker so you can you can hear it in a different way or maybe mm-hmm. some one room uh, does it have worse acoustics than the other and in one room this instrument sounds really good and in the other it sounds shitty you know i don't know it's uh, all these things make me use or not use certain synths at certain times. Talking about acoustics, um, I mean, that's something I, that must be very, very important for you, Khan, because um, if you're playing an acoustic instrument, it's acoustics of the, of the room or where the, where the instrument actually is, is super important, right? I mean, it can make or break the sound of a, of, of a piano. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, and recently, how important is that? yeah, I was just wondering how important is is that for you in your music and in do. It's it's really important when we go and do a sound check. I mean, if, even with, a, with with just playing acoustic instruments like a string quartet, you have to do a sound check because you have to adjust the tempo to the place you're playing in. It's just not going to be the same tempo like. For example, the chamber music hall in uh, at the Philharmonie Berlin is not going to be the same tempo like when you're really? in church. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. it's it's a drastic change in in tempo. Sometimes it can be up to fifteen twenty BPM. Wow, parts. is that because yeah. the sounds ring out in a different way and things yeah, get totally. obscured? If okay, yeah, oh, cool. And sometimes you just realize, okay, there is nothing we can do about the sound. Let's just play as fast as possible so good so we get through. <laughs> So you have to do some. You have to do some gaba. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> no, but it's a. It's it's that's really a difficult thing. I mean, um, figuring out how it's resonating and because you have to listen to to the other instruments for finding your um, entry. For example, when the cello is doing a solo and then I'm starting afterwards. I have to know the exact millisecond where I'm starting. And that's obviously it's by intuition, but it's it always changes from um, place to place. So we, we don't have a sync. Um, I hate giving them a, a click. So mm-hmm. never a click. It's always by breathing in together jointly. And then and it's like a, I'm at the piano. And if we have like a percussive pattern going on, it's going to be me kind of breathing in. like, And then I hit hit the play button and if for some reason the button doesn't work then i'm in huge trouble <laughs> I know this, yeah. yeah but it um yeah i mean it's so you it's, have it's to really obs- interesting. observe you really have to observe the body language of the other musicians as well not only listening to the music and the reflections of the sound and the latency, but also the body language. Because you say, when I breathe, then then they know when to when to start or when to fill in. They hear it and they sense it. We we, we rarely look at each other. Oh, they hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you 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 oh. kind of hear it, even if it's just breathing in. It's 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 this thing that I mentioned with Robert, where it's uh, on another dimension. There is this connection. There is a patch cable running. It's like hardwired. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah, if you play together for for a certain time, then you get in sync in a way that transcends BPM and MIDI commands. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. I mean, I love this talk because the, so far we've only been talking to things that are really hard to describe and, and impossible <laughs> to explain usually to other people. <laughs> all the gray areas. We are covering all the gray areas. Really Huge nice. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, but yes, talking more about acoustics because that's something I'm I'm um, I'm obsessed by. You know, um, mm. I mean, uh, when I, for example, when I play in a club, like for example, uh, uh, Robert was mentioning Berghain, um, I usually play clubs like that which have a, a, a very sort of unique acoustic to it, with my monitors almost completely down. You know, because. I really like how how rooms can can add so much to to whatever you do. You know, you can hear the you know the high sort of rushing around and bouncing off the off the ceiling and the corners and everything. And uh, uh, I just really enjoy playing with that with with the dynamics of the room as much as I do with the dynamics in the music itself. You know, there is really um, you got a sound system, so you've got the direct sound, but you also have all the all the stuff that the room does to it. Mm-hmm. Which, which is something you can, uh, yeah. If, if if you isolate yourself by having loud monitors, you don't even are aware of it. But if you if you start listening to it, you start playing completely differently. So you're beat you matching to the venue. Playing? No, 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 not beat matching. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, no, no. I'm talking. I'm really talking about the sonics, right? So uh, beat, beat like matching is not. Understanding the space. And yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is still, I mean, regarding uh, the reverberation, sometimes um, I read this about, I think it was, I think it was Ricardo, Ricardo Villalobos, that he apparently heard some kind of reverberation and it was the, I don't know, the fourfold of a certain okay, number, okay. which happened to be the BPM of the track that he was oh, playing. Yeah. And then he kept doing <laughs> beat matching to that. So, okay. so the whole thing was beat matched to the venue. <laughs> Right, right, okay. Wow. Yeah, no, well, I, I, I don't, do, I don't do beat matching uh, too much because some of that, most of that is taken care of. You know, I, 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 mm-hmm. I, you know, I can beat match, but I think it's overrated. You know, I don't know. I don't. I really, I don't care. I, it's easy to do, but uh, my, I think I can express myself much better if, if I don't have to think about that and and just can focus on sculpting the sound. <laughs> you know, that's basically what I what, what I do. And um, yeah, just just creating dynamics in 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 the overall sound and playing with frequencies and that's you know playing with energy also. That's that's basically um, mm-hmm. what but I do. I'm, 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 I'm totally the opposite. My monitor has to be like super loud. Yeah. Like I have to be. Why doesn't this... that surprise me? <laughs> I am the same, Robert. <laughs> I need that. No, it has to be. I I need like uh, like it's like a cushion or. Uh, or something I, I'm dressed in a cocoon. I make it so loud that I'm like really that I'm like really like almost alone because the sound mm-hmm. is so surrounding me. But I of course I, I hear the bass frequencies in the in the space and I'm I'm with the people so I'm aware of, of the space. And for me it's maybe what you experience in uh, in your concert. Uh, for me it's maybe more the hours before the concert. So I'm really I'm really like in the space. I'm I'm understanding. Oh, the barkeeper is nice, or the cleaning lady. I talk to her, and whatever. So I'm really like I, I'm I'm trying to understand where I am, what city is it, and but when I'm uh, when I do a show, and it was also uh, with my backhand shows, my monitor is like it's like almost my hair is like <laughs> because I I really like this like this super strong sound on stage, like really that that I can. Because when 
I sometimes I do like little movements, like a fine tune on a resonance uh, uh, or on a filter, the, the frequency. And when I when it's super loud, I can really hear the, the mm. change a lot. I can be like, oh yeah, it's like a millimeter, but it does a lot. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, it helps. It helps me uh, breathing or living inside my music, mm. having a loud monitor. But that's my personal, my personal thing. No, it makes sense. But but I mean, you are actually tuning instruments in in real time. You you uh, so yeah. You need a better uh, direct uh, feed. You 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 need to really hear what you're doing. And and in, in my case, I'm I'm playing, uh, you know, recorded material and you know layering it and sculpting oh, right, right. EQs and and stuff like that. You know, and uh, adding effects and you know programming things live but it's you know the levels are not really the issue and it's more like um yeah so i i, I have my uh, I, I really don't have to get into the micro things that much as you i guess how does your does your performance look like uh robert what what do you do what is the what are the fixed things and what are the things that let you improvise i don't know for for years i i had like half an hour not fixed but I kind of knew what I was doing, kind of themes from the records. But after 30 minutes, I was like, I have no material anymore, so I have to do something new. So I was from from that point, I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And I was like uh, uh, um, creating new stuff. And sometimes I was like, when, uh, when the act before me played, I was like creating a new song backstage, like, doing stuff and then I went on stage and played this track and tried to understand if it's like fitting. So I was, I, I love this feeling of risk and uh, of like uh, adventure and failure and uh, victory and something. So yeah. I, 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 like, I like to put myself into a situation where, where I feel like kind of unsecure. Yeah. Like, I'm on a motorbike, but it's maybe too fast or the engine is too big or something or the landscape is too wild. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? And I try to uh, to uh, get it in my in the direction I, I want to have it. But I, I, it's pretty open sometimes. So. Yeah, cool. I totally relate, relate to that, man. We've, we've been discussing live performance a lot on the, on these uh, these chats and um like for example, you, we, what you're saying is almost one one on one the same thing that, for example, Tony Surgeon uh, always talks about, you know. And uh, it, it is true for myself too. If it comes to live improvisation, uh, so not DJing but uh, playing music live, um, I mean, it's the dangerous element in it. You know, the the danger is something you really need. You know, if if it's too prepared and too uh, uh, yeah, you can you can really only fuck it up when you're too prepared, you know, because then it's just going to be boring, <laughs> and and uh, b throwing yourself in a situation where you have no idea how to get out of is creating the moments where you have to kind of fight for it or you know mm. have to um, you know make be really sort of in the moment and very responsive to whatever is happening, and that creates like a super focus state of focus for some reason which uh which is not always i mean you, you're using the part of your brain where things are just basically flowing from your intuition and and that is uh i think what a live performance can uh 
makes makes a live performance more interesting. Maybe maybe adding one thing, uh, I read about like uh, 70s free jazz musicians um, from New York that they were like uh, rehearsing for eight hours before the concert, and then they played a free jazz concert, like super free. But because they were rehearsing and they knew their tools and they knew the freedom and the adventure, uh, uh, they actually could explore even more on stage. And I quite like the situation of people hate me for like, I play backstage till the last second before the show. I'm always like with headphones. I'm like, no, I have, I have an idea. Let me do it. I, can I have some power backstage, please? switch on my uh, my instruments but i i really like to have a long a really long uh preparation before a show so i can like when i'm on stage i i can dive dive into it i'm not like i i'm not the person who can like switch on the machine and uh and play mm. yeah i mean the the key with with uh, playing electronic music live is obviously you have to know your material or your setup or whatever you're using really well, you have to kind of be, it needs to be almost transparent to you. Uh, but, but yeah, but what you're actually going to do, like the moment you step on stage and press start, it, you know, can be completely 100% unknown as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but of course you need to know what the range is that you can, what you can achieve with the the set of tools that you, you, you brought, you know, um, I guess. I, have a, I, have I a, think you guys, are, you are so brave. I really, uh, I think you're really brave. <laughs> but I, I have a normal question, uh, which brings us down to uh, to everyday life of electronic. <laughs> if you have, uh, to all of you, if you have like, uh, let's say, 60 centimeters of space on on the, in the club on stage for your gear, for a set of 60 minutes, what, what gear would you bring? Sixty <laughs> <laughs> uh, centimeters by seventy, maybe or something. Well, I'm. I mean, if if I can answer the question, I would I would just bring stuff that has a uh, has a small footprint and a wide range. It's pretty much the like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have actual examples in my studio. Uh, well, I do, but probably some some small Eurorex GIF and some. Uh, I, I would also inc include a DJ mixer because I think, you know, they are simple enough uh, to control and and keep an eye on, and and they're complicated enough to be very uh, flexible on them. You know, so d I think a DJ mixer is fine. Having four or six channels of, of audio is, is perfect. You know, just, uh, just um, not too much, not too little. You know. Can I uh, ask uh, something more? How do you connect? If you say you have a Eurorack, how you, you connect the DJ mixer to the Eurorack? Uh, what, well, whatever the setup uh, around it is, you know. So you have I mean, like if a stereo it, out and uh, uh, RCA. In, yeah, in the it depends, you know. I mean, I also use Eurorack stuff, which is just effects, you know. So that would be connected to the sends, or or okay. I would I would run something through it and 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 maybe use the dry wet or whatever. I don't know. Just I don't think that's much that makes much difference. But I mean the, um, yeah the, I think the, yeah the range of of stuff would probably be my main uh, uh, criterion. 
you know what how how big is the range and is it controllable i mean some synths or modules or whatever um they 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 do something interesting no matter how you what setting you dial into it you know and others uh can go completely crazy or can you can lose the sound or you know mm-hmm shit disappears on you you know and and those would those would be the ones that i don't use you know i would use the ones that that no matter what i what i do still do something interesting but has has a huge range you know what i mean is there are you on ableton or yeah i'm on ableton and uh i i really don't prefer to to go live i i tried it for a while and not really live with uh, hardware but uh with a you know with a midi controller and the laptop and I'm such a control freak and so um, stage frightened that it almost <laughs> I almost fainted uh, a couple of times. I tried it for a year and then I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, I would love to try again and have the time to explore and do it in a way that Robert is doing it because it sounds really like fun. <laughs> but you really have to know your it's gear. Scary. And, uh, it's It's really <laughs> scary, but it's also... <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like freedom to me. Uh, if you, if you know your gear so well that you can depend on it and just go explore life, and and you, you know, you go somewhere and you take people with you, it must be really, really, really fun. Um, but uh, at the moment, if you would uh, ask me what I would bring uh, on stage, then it would be two CDJs and uh, and a mixer, and just do a DJ set. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I don't think uh, you can dismiss anything that makes noise uh, as an instrument. You know, so it's uh, um, and uh, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Khan? Because what what I what is interesting about your let's talk about your path because you're a trained musician, right? And and um, not exactly, uh, but yes. Yeah. No. Okay, Come but on. I mean, but you 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 are you are. Um, or well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, if, if the stuff that I, I hear from you, you are main, your instrument is mainly piano, right? But you also do stuff with samples and and uh, you know sequenced stuff and everything, and you record sounds and 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 play live with them. Um, so um, that's something you. I mean, you don't often really see that combination you know, with sort of. Sp- strictly traditional and and really experimental electronic um approach wasn't the piano yeah. enough um yeah i mean I, w- I wasn't planning to continue the piano as um as seriously as i'm doing it right now it was not really um my plan as i moved to berlin i was stalking robert as i moved to berlin um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, successfully yeah, yeah, successfully. It took like, I think, five or six years. And then he said, okay, we can go into the studio. <laughs> but um, as I moved here, my my goal was, um, I don't know, Euro accents and going fully electronic and then uh, playing in clubs. I, I did it for a while, which was really nice. And every now and then I still kind of do it. I mean, obviously not now, but... Um, it's it's really something that I enjoy a lot, um, and combining that knowledge from how big speakers react to certain things like filters and how you can become a virtuoso in turning the filter knob um, and applying that knowledge to a very common instrument which is not even capable of different tunings 
um, that's that's been kind of the interesting middle way that I found in the end. But I did not study uh, piano actually. I studied audio engineering at uh, SAE Berlin, and then I went on to do a sound studies uh, and sound art master at uh, University of Arts. So I'm I faked it until I made it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Do you, do you feel that um, what you, but you did have music education, but but like yeah. as an audio engineer, do you do you think that's something that helps you, or can it go, can it also get in the way of things? I mean, it was in the way for quite a while, but um, nowadays I'm super happy about it because I've been um, I had this idea of augmenting the piano, so having a loudspeaker below the piano, which is a um, which is augmenting the sound live and it's a 360 speaker, which I mean, let me show. It's the one over there. Oh, wow. This goes below the grand piano. This is built by uh, Martion. Maybe, you know, uh, bullfrogs or organ. Um, it's a horn loudspeaker. It goes below the grand piano and it's, it was a collaboration with, um, with him. And uh, this wouldn't have been possible if I had just followed this classical path. And um, so the engineering part was really helpful for that. Right. Yeah. What? What? Uh, how, how do you get the idea to to do that? Um, I had this. Um, I had to. It was interesting, as Robert was saying that he was listening to this opera piece in his head as he was sitting in his uh, hotel room, because that's pretty much how I compose. I just sit somewhere and listen to music in my head. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I put in headphones to walk around the park. And then I listen to the music that I have in my head evolving. And that for some reason, it's mostly um, around instruments, but sometimes it's also, it, it also extends the, um, the frequency range of the instruments, the idea that I have. Mm -hmm. And in this case, this was my piano quintet, uh, augmented piano quintet. And the idea that I had for the piano, it was not possible to do it with a piano. I would have needed a second piano or, or someone playing synthesizers. And I thought it should be somehow possible that I put two microphones inside the piano and, and add some effects or some kind of um, augmentation to the, um, to the piano. And also because I was always jealous of my violinist uh, and the ensemble who is able to hit one note and then still vibrate and change the note, which you can't on a piano. So I thought I have to find a way how to do it. And by having the um, electronic sound um, getting fed from below into the resonant um, wood of, of, of the grand piano, I can do a pitch shift, for example, and then it, it's, it's added to the acoustic sound. And then you have this wobbling thing in the, in the hall and depending on where you're sitting in the, uh, in the hall, you're going to hear a different rhythm. That's also. Wow. I mean, but uh, so we have to explain a little bit more what it does, because is it just uh, playing back the sound amplified that's coming from the piano or would you say it's also playing back into the piano? So the, Mm -hmm. uh, does, so the sound source that the speaker replays, is that a mic sound or is it actually uh, doing something else as well? The speaker is not amplifying at all. Um, there is no amplification going on because the grand piano itself is loud enough for the halls that I play in. Mm -hmm. And the loudspeaker is only adding the 
effect sound or if I have some additional samples oh. or something going on. Oh, so, right. And, and then it's getting mixed in the air, in the hall. So it's a um, very organic sound. And the loudspeaker is also um, radial, so it's 360 degrees. So you have it like a like a cello or a violin would play. Oh, so the, the idea, yeah, yeah. So the idea is that you can you can uh, have other sound sources played as if they were coming from the same spot as the piano, like it's yes. radiating radiating the sound out. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. thought for a moment you were saying that it's um, uh, sort of the sound that coming from it also influences the sound of the piano itself. That you are kind of uh, well, it does. Well, it, it does. does. If, yeah, yeah. If you, for example, if you have the uh, live piano sound getting how you, changed, how do you for example, that? how do you control that? Is that just a, a lucky accident, or is it something you have to really fine tune or something? Yeah, you have to fine tune. I have uh, I have a small um, controller on the piano where I have the four channels of effects, four different effects. One is like a granular delay. One is a um, a pitch shifter, a ring modulator a very slow ring modulator where you can start with the note and you it, it kind of sounds like an amplification, but then the the sound from the speaker moves away gradually, like just um, hertz by hertz, just very slowly. And then it starts this ring modulating effect in the air. Wow. Uh, it sounds awesome. How, how much, much does, does the piano itself respond to the additional sounds? Yeah, that's what I was uh, wondering about. So um, I'm, I'm also the person playing the piano. So I'm kind of reacting to what I'm doing. And uh, I think um, the sounds sound much more organic because there is the wood below the piano, this resonant wood. And it's helping those sounds to um, come together with the uh, acoustic original sound of the piano as well. So if that's what you mean by reacting, but I don't, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Can you make it feedback? Um, actually, I can't because I don't have um, any dry signal going through the uh, loudspeaker. Okay, yeah. So it's only wet signal. Right. Yeah, I but could. If you, if you make it loud, it should feedback, or even even if you have like a grain delay or something. But I mean, of course, uh, uh, I mean, as you said before, you it's like a. Uh, live acoustic space so mm -hmm. everything which you bring into the space which goes into the microphones uh, gets amplified so uh, it's like a it's not a it's not creating feedback but it's uh, uh, it's it's feedbacking somehow it's like an it's an, a, li a live uh, uh, sound system mm -hmm. that's now, awesome I, I was impressed when I, when I saw it. Also, uh, Khan is one of the few people who really like jump from one field or no, or let's say it like he knows like has a big range of knowledge from like classical music uh, composition to uh, uh, studying uh, uh, um, uh, sound uh, sound design and uh, sound creation. So he's like. Uh, I invited him a few times to the uh, to NYU, a university um, from New York, with a department in Berlin, and um, the students are, come from a, a pop background. And I invite Khan because he's he's a person who's like into techno, but also into acoustic music. He creates uh, his own uh, 
speaker system. So it's like uh, it's uh, it's a rare rare person who's like in this like field of classical electronic improvisation music. Um, I'm just no, lost. No, I'm now I'm starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. that's a lot of area to cover, Khan. That's a very brave uh, thing to do. You know, so many um, so many areas to. Uh, uh, well, I mean, the, I guess the I funny guess thing is, in the, combination. The, funny, the funny yeah. thing is, he really knows what he does. It's not like it's not he's pretending or he's like uh, when you ask him a question, you get an answer. It's like it's not like blurry something. I mean, some, sometimes it just feels like um, climbing up a mountain, but also building the mountain while you're climbing up it. So okay. it's kind of a, a weird terrain where I don't know where I'm at. And then I, I feel like maybe I need this to get to the next step. And then you just put stuff on top, but, but then you still have to climb it somehow. So it's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. So, so whereas, uh, at what stage are you now? What is what is uh, in your mind, or what is your your sort of the most uh, immediate goal, next goal? Um, currently, I'm working on a uh, on a commissioned piece for loudspeakers, and uh, it's going to be like 30 loudspeakers uh, outside, and it's going to be a 30 40 minute piece, and I'm recording uh, baroque harp and violin and piano and lots of electronic uh, stuff. So I'm coming back to the more oscillated sounds. Um, I've missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Sounds in sounds interesting. Yeah, very. Yeah. Uh, so is that, is, how, how does that work then? Is it that, will that be performed when things get back open again? Or is it something that is going to be uh, uh, filmed or videoed or whatever? Um, or re recorded? Uh, Actually, I think I think it's going to happen uh, no matter what because it's outside and it's a uh, uh, yeah. I'm I'm honestly not sure if I'm allowed to talk about this. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> please, There's please. also like some some else, uh, yeah, a, a dance company involved and all that kind of stuff. So it's oh, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so uh, then let's switch to Robert. What's next for you, Robert? <laughs> Uh, I have this residency at Festspielhaus uh, Hellerau uh, now, um, where I do research on art and dance and the connection between uh, uh, those two forms. I'm in the middle of uh, making a kind of um, film uh, with a theater, Gorky Theater. Uh, it's after um, a novel from uh, 1929 from Russia about communism. It's like a futuristic uh, thing. And we uh, we do this kind of radio play, but with the photo. So it will be a photo film, a bit like La Jetée from Chris Marker. Um, and then I'm preparing a six hour show for, um, for the morning from four o'clock to uh, a.m. to six and uh, to 10 a.m. playing uh, Ambient music, I guess. I, 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 I that's really an uh, adventure that will happen at Tonlagen Festival in Dresden, also at Hellerau. And my solo record should be on its way somehow. That's what I always say. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I have some ideas um, preparing something. 
Okay, so you uh, with your with your uh, solo album, are you uh, already in the recording process, or is it just uh, are you making the thinking about what you want to do? I'm terrible. I'm, for my <laughs> f first record, it took me ten years. Because <laughs> I, I was so scared of my uh, label Rasta Noton in those days, and I was like, "What can I do for this amazing label and stuff?" Oh, you you were intimidated by the idea that you were releasing on a, on a label, and that kept you yeah, from because my, yeah because my my music okay. at those days sounded pretty different, and I was like, oh, "What do they expect?" and something, and it took ten years. And uh, there was a situation where I went to the mastering studio pretending that I was done with the record. But when I entered the mastering studio, I said, sorry, guys, I, I have nothing. <laughs> I can't give you anything. And they were, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so it was like it was like a therapy thing. Um, uh, but the last record uh, uh, I done pretty fast. Um, and I hope, I hope to do this. Uh, Fast too. I, I remember uh, when I watched uh, one of the last sessions that I was asking actually uh, how important it is to play in a club to understand your music and to compose. And for me, it's very important to un to hear the hear the bass sound, hear the bass frequencies, hear the music loud. So I'm hoping for this record to find an empty club and to play some. Tunes. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm sure there are many. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so is that something you want to do like check it in uh, on a big system before you decide uh, whether it's good okay well wow. yeah okay. The, the, the last record uh, uh, was created at Darkheim actually I was really like, yeah wow okay it was like they asked me my label asked me to do a live show and I wanted to do something new because my old live set was so old and then I done like like six themes, but very fast. And then I improvised them at Berghain and then it felt somehow good. And then I, uh, I produced the album from mm. that material. Yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you, what I'm thinking is if you, if you are an artist who is uh, regularly playing live and performing live, um, you're, you are capable of doing things in real time, right? So why do, why do you take long to record something then? Because I'm a messy control freak. You know, I, I, lo <laughs> I, I love the mess, but when I re-listen to the mess, I'm like, oh no, what's going on? This is like this, you can't do this. And then I have to chop pieces. And sometimes I work for on a loop, especially the ending of a piece is the most difficult thing, like the, the fade out and then the reverb comes in, but then the reverb gets filtered, but the filtered reverb gets distorted in the end, but then it gets filtered again to be not too distorted. So it's that kind of thing. So I'm really, I, I sometimes I'm lost in, in details. Yeah, so okay. Like, yeah. So it's like this wild thing. Yeah, that's what uh, Olaf Bender, the boss of my label, says, Robert, just record the shit live. I mean, it's cool yeah. what you do. Don't bother. Don't go to the studio at all. But I'm like, I want to do something special, and then I'm trapped for... Yes, <laughs> I remember. I remember once we were uh, as we were improvising at ZKM, Robert was scrolling through the uh, through Ableton, and he said, "This kick sounds amazing, but I have no idea where it's coming from." <laughs> <laughs> so he was like scrolling like crazy. <laughs> Man, it's 
yeah, I think there's something to say about um, uh, recording stuff and being immediate about things. You know, uh, I find my when when I record something, I I like to capture whatever I record in real time, and then only do sculpting afterwards, kind of to to even you know the sculpting would be something to just enhance what idea emerges from the recording if you know what i mean um but uh in terms of uh yes writing things that's usually the result of uh an improvisation you know and it's always been like that even this the sounds like uh, esther men mentioned uh, that warp album um that uh, is although it sounds quite structured and arranged, it is basically just a, a cut-up version of, uh, like a reassembled version of, uh, like a very long life life take. You know, lucky you. Yeah. So it also I mean, sounds like that. I mean, it's really yeah. You can hear that. Yeah, yeah. To the, to the album. Are Are you a fast worker or are you, are you getting stuck into details, Esther? Me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, when I'm when I'm full time producing, I'm pretty fast. Uh, I can get lost in the in the in the arrangement kind of thing. You know, I really want to make want it to make sense, and you know, it really has to make sense. So I go back to it all the time, and then t take a rest for a few days to listen back objectively, and then adjust some stuff. But there is quite um, the finish line is always inside. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not lost in the details like Robert uh, explains. Right. But a Lucky fast you. worker, I wouldn't call myself, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, uh, um, yeah, so you, you don't get lost into details and you basically you you are capable of drawing the line very fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Foreman showing up. What's up, Foreman? Applied, uh, applied great. autonomy. Crash question for. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So the the title of the album. Second record from the back. <laughs> left, left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go, Vorman. <laughs> nice artwork. Did you, yeah. Did you do the cover as well, uh, uh, Robert? No, that's uh, uh, Lucas Quateras. That's uh, a friend from Argentina who lives in Germany, and I was I was stalking him because I I, uh, I was like looking for digital art at, uh, uh, in the internet, and I found his uh, work, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I asked him uh, f to do the artwork, and he showed me one sketch, and then he showed me like two weeks later like the sketch for the artwork and I said like I take it don't touch it it's like beautiful I want it nice yeah it's beautiful but you, you do covers yourself as well right you do visual uh, uh, stuff yeah, yeah like, I do installations like you... and stuff but on a different it's a different different kind of, of thing okay okay now Khan is going to grab something <laughs> ah. uh, oh yeah I know where did you get there yeah Robert I... does yeah, yeah. So, did you? Uh, okay, did you get the cover that Robert did? Okay. So, is this like? Um, it's nice, man. Is it? Is it some? Some? some uh, what is? What is the 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 
the process you use there is because you you're more like visual art like more like installation type guy but is this like a capture of something that is has existed in a room or something or is this there was a that was a, a aquarel zeichnung how do you say aquarel mm-hmm. like, uh, with brushes and paint and stuff like because uh, we were playing at uh, ZKM in Karlsruhe and uh, the place was called Cube. So I was uh, basically, I was like doing a Kubus uh, and I was like doing a simple version of a, of a Kubus uh, with, with paint. And then digitally, I made a uh, hundred versions of the Kubus. Uh, like co- uh, the, every cover has a different color slightly. So I, I worked a lot with thresholds of... Uh, uh, in Photoshop, and so, mm. but it's like so, hand, handmade basically. Wow! So they're they're all different. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> you <have to> prove. <laughs> and yeah, that's just hundred. <laughs> nice. This is cool. This is out on uh, on my label, uh, Feral Note. Oh, that's why you were showing all the different ones. Uh, no, yeah, I and I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I thought, I thought just you were just showing off how many you had. Yeah. <laughs> I have four. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. No, because uh, it's may, uh, uh, maybe it's a uh, uh, similar process to making music. If you, if you, if you look at. Those details here, and you uh, you put a filter on, like a color filter, that to change completely when you take out the blue or when you take out yeah. the red. Mm. So it's it's uh, it's super similar to uh, to like uh, doing uh, filtering music. So it was actually uh, the process felt super uh, familiar, super home when I mm. when I did it because it was like. Basically, doing a, 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 a different version, a different filtered version of of every every cover. Awesome. Um, well, listen, people, we've been almost talking for two hours, and um, we, you know, we don't have a format for this uh, this chat. But usually, but at we the didn't talk end. about music here at all. I was like, I was. Well, if you want to, we can we can do another hour, and you can have you talk about gear. <laughs> If you no, want. I'm happy actually because my knowledge is uh, a bit limited. Yeah, don't say that. Come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> I mean, with the uh, with the uh, well, even if your lim- knowledge is limited, um, you, you, whatever uh, comes out of it is incredible. So uh, <laughs> don't make excuses. <laughs> it's but, all uh, it's, it's all super trigger, but uh, the effect <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Um, no, what I was going to say is that um, usually we give uh, everybody uh, a little bit of time to uh, promote or make people aware of what they're currently doing, or uh, maybe you have some stuff you want to share with people. Uh, where can people find your music and that kind of stuff? Uh, Esther, what is. Yeah, well, what do you want to um, share? What I would like to share is that. Uh, <laughs> I'm working full-time for the Music Conservatory and um, I've been developing together with colleagues a really new uh, line of education, an associate degree for young people who want to study electronic music and it's been occupying all my time like the last two years. 
But I'm also working musically on uh, a remix for a band, for a singer, a guitarist. And uh, I just got all the parts and, you know, I'm uh, exploring the MIDI and putting it into rare uh, experimental stuff. And I'm just sketching, but it's taking some form now. So I hope to finish that in the next couple of months. And um, I'm making baby steps in exploring the modulars because I'm really interested oh, in. Nice. <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, I'm, I'm affected I'm, by the virus. <laughs> you know, watching watching people doing it, and um, I'm a little bit um, how do you say scared of the of the technolo technological side of it. But I did download the CV rack, and I uh, am following the the tutorials uh, tutorials uh, from Om. What's his name? Cohen. Omni Cohen or something like that. You, you, you talking like about online, right? Online tutorials, you mean? Yeah, online. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, really, really great. So that's what I'm doing musically. Sounds great. I mean, um, I think it will suit you, Esther, because uh, if you are, if your process is uh, like uh, with with the reactor stuff, just go in there and 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 you know exploring sound. That's yeah. Your rec is absolutely amazing for exploration. That's yeah. really what it's all about, you know. So um, I just cool. need time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I mean, we'll keep an eye out for the results. Should be amazing. Can <laughs> uh, anything? Yeah, you kind of already revealed. Thank you, oh, yeah. Snow. Yeah, Snow says Omri Koren. Um, oh. You already revealed the the thing that is under NDA. So. Please don't feel, uh, <laughs> don't talk about that. But anything, uh, you, anything else you want to make people aware of? Anything you're working on? Where can people get your music? Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm also running uh, this label, Feral Note, and uh, this album with Robert is on there, and we still have some, some of the limited ones. Um, so it's a unique thing, and is this one. Uh, yeah, we do have okay. Bandcamp, yeah. Okay. and Sander okay, will look it up and, and post it in the, in the comments. This thing here is uh, the cover of my uh, piano quintet, which we also released. I'm planning to tear this apart and sell each part as the vinyl cover, just like a super <laughs> limited edition. And um, let's see what we're going to do. But um, apart from that, I also have my... I've just finished writing a violin sonata, which will be premiered in summer uh, on Verbier Festival. And apart from that, I've been missing my modular. And um, <laughs> so I'm going to return to it. I thought you have one. I thought, if, I thought you bought new cases and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had this idea for modular, modular cases. <laughs> so you have the... Uh, yeah. I mean... Well, that's that's how I did it. You know, I've got all these. Uh, I I cannot turn my camera because otherwise my internet cable will pop out and I'll I'll be gone. But basically, you know, I've I've got my whole rack is made up of uh, smaller uh, mm -hmm. modules. Uh, so I've got the uh, basically I can take them around the studio and I feel that I'm using them much more when when they are in smaller cases. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, eventually, totally. I want, eventually I want a, like a little skiff for each of them. Actually, I'm thinking about uh, making 3D printed skiffs for custom ones for each. So I, I, I basically have a, yeah, yeah, exactly like that, Robert, something like that. Just uh, mm -hmm. so I had all the modules, you know, I could just lay them out on the table and just make and rearrange them when I want to. Mm -hmm. I see Nadia. Hey, Nadia. 
<laughs> she's up early. <laughs> yeah. But she's we early. meet each other all the time <laughs> because of the time difference. Yeah. Um, Jochen, just one question because, I mean, the reason why I got into um, looking for different cases was um, uh, the power supplies that I was able to find for these skiffs, they were always kind of humming or doing problems because um, when I used them on stage with this uh, special loudspeaker, you would hear everything. Right. So I had to, um, so I had this custom thing um, built by uh, Num Num cases, uh, shout out, um, with this ACL <laughs> low noise power supply. Right. And, and that was super helpful. And now we have the power in, in, in one main case And then you can daisy chain the power going yeah, from one yeah, yeah. to the other. And it's like, that was really helpful. Yeah, the ones, the ones that I currently have are basically just, uh, uh, you know, manufactured cases with built-in power supply. So, but mm -hmm. if I want to go smaller and, and just do one uh, enclosure per unit, uh, or maybe just have ah. a few, yeah, that maybe just have a few that go together really well. Just I basically mm -hmm. just want to switch to smaller cases, basically. That's, that's mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. what I'm saying. But I haven't really gone that deep into it. I do realize that the power thing is probably the most difficult thing to solve. Yeah, that takes space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A... yeah. But shout anyway. out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you miss your modular. Well, um, yes. Yeah, I know how it feels. <laughs> I love not traveling for that because now yeah. I'm more here and I can enjoy all of that. I don't know how yeah. it's with you people, but... Um, Traveling is so uncreative. You lose so much time. So it's really great. I love that traveling. I love, I was like, my, my old golf broke down like two, uh, no, one hour from Berlin and I had to change the battery and I had to take this shitty normal train, like a local train. But I was like in this train and the landscape passed by. I was like so happy. I was like, I'm on tour. I'm traveling. This is so nice. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really missing it. Like even even this like uh, S-Bahn local train kind of thing. I was like super happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time consuming, but it also gives you a lot of energy because there there are so many impressions. You know, so there's so mm -hmm. much you. Uh, yeah, change of environment can sometimes be very 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 refreshing. I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I can do without it, but. Um, Uh, I wouldn't mind traveling again <laughs> as well. Um, so, Robert, anything you want to share? I mean, Khan has already made us aware of the, I, I, the album you did together. No. I, uh, yeah, you've already talked about the residency and uh, stuff. But anything else, maybe? Oh, somebody coming so in. Insect hey. O coming in with a last-minute question. That's <laughs> fine. Dresden uh, in the house. Oh, yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah, I nice. know Insect O. <laughs> nice, nice. Hello, Insect O. Uh, Robert, uh, can Robert talk about his uh, live set he's doing with uh, Lucas G? Lucas Guterres. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, there's a past live uh, live show for Applied Autonomy. Uh, we have uh, two pieces on at the moment uh, at CTM, the Siberia uh, online project. Um Uh, Lucas uh, works with Unity and he's like, uh, uh, he has a super bright mind uh, when it comes to forms and shapes and, and colors. And uh, uh, we figure out now a way for the new album where, where he can join and we like a, a, a 
proper AV show together, but he is also providing me objects and uh, technology that I can play alone sometimes. Um, with Lucas, it's uh, like chatting every day and there's like a new idea every day coming up. We just heard that we might uh, do some, uh, that we do spin at uh, Ars Electronica in, in September. So with Lucas, it's a super productive uh, collaboration. And um, he, is, uh, uh, he, he studied industrial design, so he really knows what he's doing when it comes to shapes. And, uh, and uh, he's doing workshops, and I, I was taking part of a uh, uh, Module 8 workshop he, he gave at Akut Berlin. It was uh, very um, uh, interesting to see how he's using the program because you can you can have live feed from your uh, laptop camera. You can bring in uh, uh, other other software like Unity, um, and um, he's a, he's a teacher. He's a friend. Uh, uh, there will be more stuff coming from us. Watch out! <laughs> Great. Awesome. Johan, you. Yeah, Johan. Oh, yes, yes. Um, well, I mean, the people who visit this chat often, don't they know that every Sunday we do uh, uh, a remote jam or a jam in the, like a live improvisation, basically. Uh, we've been doing that since the lockdown. And uh, number 37 is coming up uh, this Sunday. Uh I'm not going to reveal who it is, but it's. Uh, I'm really excited about that one, and it's going to be remote for sure. So it's a uh, synced up, uh, not synced how up. Do you, how do you? Okay, sing? Yeah, how do you think? Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll. I'll explain it again. We've been explaining it a lot of times, and, but we still get questions about it. So anyway, okay, quickly, the syncing is not the issue because sync is sync, you know, and and I do it by hand, you know. It's just. You, DJ skills, just press start on time and, and, and I can nudge the clock so it's always running in sync. <laughs> they sync, okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, obviously the issue you have to deal with if you're playing with somebody over the internet is latency. And um, that's the thing, you know, that's the thing you have to solve. And there's this uh, technology called Ninjam. It's been around for a, for a while, uh, uh, for a long time. And basically that uh is a, a client you can there's several uh uh programs that do that do it like uh reaper has it built in and there there's also a plugin called uh jambata jamtaba sorry uh and basically you insert it on your master channel and it connects to a server and it sends the audio to the server and you know the person on the other end does the same thing so it's that takes care of the uh, audio traffic and then uh, on the server it's buffered by by a certain amount depending on the tempo of the session and uh, it's music it basically the delay is being turned into a musical interval so it's always two bars or the amount of bars you set so you are in sync but if I do something the other person mm -hmm. on the other hand uh, hears it two bars later and and the other way around so you are in sync in terms of tempo Mm -hmm. uh, but you are not actually in sync because there is this delay. But it, because it's a musical interval, it's, you know, that whole idea or the whole delay thing kind of disappears in your mind, you know, after playing like that for like five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, in sync. 
if you play like that uh, with another person, basically all you're doing uh, uh, is reacting to whatever is going on musically. And uh, so it feels exactly the same as playing with somebody in real time. But um, yeah, if you make slow movements, if you just slowly move from scene to scene or from space to space or however you would call it, um, it is. It doesn't feel like there is anything weird going on. You know, it feels very natural, and and, and yeah, and you're just basically reacting to whatever you hear the other person doing. But uh, was the same with uh, with surgeon? surgeon? Yeah, with, with surgeon was also with this technology. With all the ones that, that that I've done so far, actually the last one I've did didn't done two with surgeon. Uh, one was actually beat matched, so synced mm -hmm. to whatever I synced to whatever he was doing. But the other, the last one we did was completely clockless, you know. So we just had all the machines running on their own individual uh, internal clocks, and and you know we just built like a soundscapey kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, in real time. But um, but yeah, it's uh, the only issue we really have to solve is that Ninjam has uh, public servers available, but they are accessible to anyone who is trying to log in. So mm -hmm. we have had to set up a private server to make sure that you know nobody's going to jam along when we are on air you know like uh, some strange people from i don't know anywhere in somewhere in the world but anyway that's how it works um and we've got one coming up this uh, this sunday again uh um, so yeah have an eye out for that it's always at eight o'clock on sunday and uh the other thing that i want to make people aware of is our discord server it's becoming a really nice place uh, for people to hang out, talk about music, having conversations like these, but uh, with a way larger group of people and in real time. It's like a real-time forum, basically. Um, so the Knob Twiddlers Hangout um, text version, basically. Uh, and the link should appear in the comments or are under the video. So, yeah, check that out. It's a really nice community. And the last one is uh we have a patreon page to uh for people who want to uh support this project and want to get some extra goodies like sound sound uh packs and stuff like that and some you know footage or recordings that we don't uh, publish else elsewhere um and and we do master classes there and everything so um yeah have a look there links should be available um that's it from my side for this time for this week so yeah Thanks, people, for hanging out. Thanks, Esther. Really nice seeing you. Yeah, likewise. Nice to uh, meet Robert and Khan, too. Yeah, nice to catch up. Robert, good to see you, man. Really, uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Good luck with everything you've got coming up. And Khan, nice to meet you. Uh, ah, somebody's buying your album. There we go. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hassan. <laughs> so um, you sold an album. Of awesome. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for everybody who was here for in, in on YouTube and Twitch. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for your questions. What's uh, your favorite kick drum? <laughs> 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 What's yours, Robert? <laughs> it, I, I think it's <laughs> a Crater from VDM and uh, in hardware and uh, Kick Two as software. Kick drum two, it's called. Okay, I don't know that one. Okay, it's awesome. Oh, you saw that in the comments somewhere. Okay, uh, favorite three or three track is uh, Sander is asking. I don't know, man. There's so many. <laughs> I don't know. 
Anyway, let's keep that for another another time. I have to I have to think about that too long, you know. That would uh, the, the ruin the end, you know. Anyway, um, thanks guys, thanks everybody, thanks for watching, and uh, see you next time. <laughs>